We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Ball loose. Give me one, Lance. Give me one, Lance. Stevenson ties it with 1.6. Duarte, he knows where the clock is, lets it fly and hits again. Halliburton at the buzzer. Captain Kush with another one. Brogdon goes inside and Turner finishes. Halliburton leaves it off for Batase. Go, go. Good job. Oh, what a move by Heald. He lays it in. Heald. Hotter than fish grease. Drops it off to Jalen Smith with the poster. Jackson the catch. Jackson the basket. Washington again. Five of them. Pacers got the steal. Out running is Brissette. Pounds it home. It to Taylor. Taylor missed it. Tips it in. Warren lets it fly. Yes! T.J. Warren is not human! Halliburton gonna slam it at the other end! Happy Draft Week, everybody. Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. I'm joined today by Michael Fachi, the Draft Guru for today's episode. Fachi, we got a fun one today for the people. That we do. So we're going to have some fun today, just like Alex mentioned. We're going to be talking about our Pacer mock board. So... Right over here, our big board, and you know we're putting a little spin on it. Like this is going to be starting from say pick four or so, because I feel like that's when the draft really starts. So mm. you're not going to see a name like Jabari Smith Jr. on the list today. Yeah. So somebody asked, "Is Chet Holmgren going to make the list?" Look, I understand. Last time I did my Pacers top ten big board, he wasn't on there. So we just went ahead and said, "Look, the consensus has pretty much been Chet, Jabari, Boncaro for the top three, in whatever order you want to put them in." So we feel like it's very unrealistic for the Pacers to get them. We've heard rumblings, like Fachi said, about the Pacers potentially making a deal with the Sacramento Kings for that fourth pick to hopefully get um, a certain player that we'll talk about. But um, I think it'd be good here, Fachi, now to start off at number 15 and work our way up to number one. So who do you have number 15 on your big board? And that, that is a good idea. That way we don't spoil any of the fun too early. But, yeah. you know, number 15 on my list, Jalen Williams, 6'6", junior forward out of Santa Clara. He's been kind of the name that feels like it's shooting up, uh, you know, the big boards lately. This is someone like, look, the knock, he played in, in, a, in a lower conference, not the best conference by any means, but hearing really good things. Yes, he's already 21 years old, played against weaker, weaker competition. Sure, that doesn't help, 
but he's improved drastically year over year. Averaged 18 points per game, shot 40% from three. He's a two-way player, deemed a late bloomer, so he's really someone who's taken off now and super talented off the dribble. Very comfortable. We're talking about from three, mid-range, runners, whatever you want. He's going to give you a high effort on defense. Jalen Williams I have right now 15th on my big board. Nice. So that'd be the 18th overall prospect mm -hmm. then on your big board. Hmm, interesting. I have him a little bit higher than this because okay. I just I like I like a lot of things about him. I will share my thoughts on him when I get there. For me at 15, this is probably a bit of a swing. I'm going to go kind of swing heavy here at the bottom of my list just because I like upside and potential. I'm going with Kendall Brown out of Baylor. Forward, he's 19 years old. He had some issues, don't get me wrong. Only average 9.7 points per game, 4.9 rebounds, 1.9 assists. But he shot 58.4% from the field, 63.6% from two. And while it's not great, it's still pretty average. 34.1% Fachi from three. So I feel like he's got the tools. He's six foot seven and a half with a 6'11 wingspan, 201 pounds. Like the dude is bouncy. He, he's got a lot of potential. He's just very raw. And I think we saw that in that game against UNC where it was like, where, where is he going? You know, the team actually looked a little bit better when he was off the floor during that game. I think just the experience of that Carolina team got to him a little bit. He's kind of in that range, really, to be like a late first rounder, early second rounder. So this is, like I said, a big, a bit of a swing. But, you know, I, I just think with his athleticism, with what he can become, I believe in him overall. He's just going to have to work on his defense, be more consistent, and just go through some of the fundamentals. I think that would be great for him to learn in his rookie season, especially for a Pacers team. That's potentially going through a rebuild. I just feel like this is a guy you potentially trade back into the uh, first round for if you're high on him. And similar to Isaiah Jackson, hope that he develops over the year. Yeah, no, it's funny that you said that last line because that's kind of how I viewed Kendall Brown as someone who coming into the year was actually a highly touted you know, prospect, freshman out of Baylor. I feel like he didn't have the season he wanted, but I've seen him slipping and slipping and slipping. And I do think that someone is going to get a very good player. Maybe a little bit of a spoiler, he's not on my list because I did see him going, you know, most mock drafts in the 20s. So I don't have him, but I very much like the idea of the Pacers potentially trading up to be able to get him as I don't think he's going to be there at 31. I kind of see him in that 20 to 25 range. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I don't think he's probably 18th overall. I'm just looking at it from a pacer standpoint of guys that I think make some sense. Some guys that could, you know, just de develop some guys that could invest in. That's why I like him there at 15. But let's keep it moving here, Fachi. Who do you got at 14? This is someone that I know you, I know you like. I know you brought up his name a lot. I'm lower on him because I, I kind of factored in a little bit of stuff of positions of need and then all that. Mark Williams. Okay. Seven foot two, sophomore out of Duke. A seven foot seven wingspan. <laughs> all right? Yeah. That is off the charts. It's got to be the best in the draft. I cannot imagine someone having a better wingspan than that. I mean, this is like something out of a movie at this point. But look, one of the best rim protectors in college basketball I, I do think that that's a skill that will translate. Will the offensive game ever come with it? I don't know about that. One thing that I read that was very interesting, and I don't know if it's good interesting or, hmm, is read that he made five of nine jump shots on the season. That's a very low sample size, but 
you shot a good percentage of it. So maybe there's an opportunity for growth, but being a 75% free throw shooter gives me a little bit of hope that, Hey, give the man some time. You know, it, it could be years, but eventually maybe he'll be able to develop more of an offensive game. But from a rim protection standpoint, defensively, you're getting a really good player. Pacers don't know what the situation is going to be with Miles Turner. You know, after this year, it's a contract year. A guy like Mark Williams, I view a little bit more of a project. So I feel like if you brought him along slowly, that would be best for him. So a couple things here. I'll give you a spoiler. I'll give you two spoilers. Ooh. Number number one or two. I, I don't know. It's not really a spoiler. This is a spoiler, but sounds like a spoiler. Uh, uh, Mark Williams and no other center on my big board. I have zero centers on my big board here, Fachi. Okay. Um, I just don't really see why I would put a center on here when we have Turner, Isaiah Jackson, Goga, potentially wanted to bring back Jalen Smith, potentially good Troy Turner for DeAndre Ayton. I just feel like center is not a position of need in this draft. Now I get it. If Mark Williams is there and you're able to get him somehow back in the first round, like, and you really like his upside. I understand that. I totally get that. But so that was my spoiler. My hot take is I think Mark Williams is going to be the best center out of this draft class. No knock on Jalen Dern, but I just love what I saw from him in the NCAA tournament. Like you talked about that wingspan is humongous. I thought he was just really pivotal for that team. And when he wasn't out there, I felt like they were just worse. Obviously only took one three-point attempt all season long. So he's going to have to, you know, they have to, because I don't think you necessarily have to be a three-point shooter in the league. Like a lot of people expect you to, but I, I love the way that he moves uh, defensively. He's just going to have to get better on switching. That's where I'm worried about him. If he gets targeted, kind of like Steph Curry was targeting Al Horford in the, in the finals. Right. So, um, but I, but I definitely like him as a prospect. And if I were to have a center on there, he would definitely be the center of my choice because I really do believe he is the best center in this draft class. Hey, you know, I'm intrigued. I felt like, you know, right around, we were talking about 17th overall. I don't think he makes it past 17 in the draft. I, I feel like he's probably snatched up. So you know, I felt like it was a fair spot. But, yeah, you, you had a great point over there. Center, I mean, look, any center over here in this draft could immediately be out of the running if the Pacers make a move for DeAndre Aiden. You know, they, they very well could. Or if the Pacers are happy with, with Turner, then drafting a center, it becomes all of a sudden a nightmare scenario. Like, please don't do this again. So <laughs> I'm with you on that. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And I'll move over to my 14 real quick. And this is my last, like, major, like, upswing on a guy type thing or, or big swing here. I'm going Patrick Baldwin Jr. This is a guy that I brought up very early into the process, Fachi, when we first started talking about prospects. Once the year started, just like throwing some names out, he was in that top 10 at one point once the season started. And then he just had pretty much the year from hell at uh, Wisconsin or Milwaukee, excuse me, just played for his dad. His dad got fired. We've talked about it. He's just, he has the tools though to be a nightmare in terms of three level scoring. He's, he's big. He's got a good wingspan. He's 230 pounds. Just a freshman that went to a bad school, didn't have a great guard play. Just a really weird fit, but he's got to get better. I think he's another guy that you just take a risk on. If you have the, the luxury to do that, I think the Pacers could potentially have that. Just 19 and a half years old. But when you're talking about a guy that's six foot nine with a seven foot two wingspan, 220, 30 pounds, whatever it is, there's so many different listings out there. I personally believe he could be somebody that you hit on later. And because of his fall, it could be motivation for him to get better. Obviously, wouldn't take a massive swing on him, like like 14 to like 20 range. But if you were able to get back into like that 21 to 27 range, 
and trade up into that and, and go for him, that is someone that I would keep an eye on. Yeah, I don't think he could have had a worse season no. at Milwaukee. It was the perfect storm for everything to go just horribly. But this was one of the top recruits in the nation. Guy who who chose an unconventional route, you know, wanted to, you know, bring more attention to Milwaukee, play for his dad, all that. It just it, there was not the, the situation for him to put him in a spot to be, you know, picked as high as he hoped. But whoever's going to get him later in the first round, I do think is going to get a steal. So yeah. I think he's going to end up being probably a better NBA player, but he's going to be, I think he's going to be a project. I don't know. I don't know how much he's going to play, you know, in the beginning of, of, of his uh, rookie season, but it's for the better. So I like that pick. I, I do think he's probably going to be somewhere, maybe that 20 to 25, you know, mm-hmm. similar to the range that you spoke about, but Hey, who knows the Pacers, they traded up last year from 31 to 22. They could easily do it again. Yeah. And that's kind of my point. It's like they have the luxury to potentially move up and get a guy they like and, I just feel like Rick Carlisle likes bigger guys and, and and the Pacers desperately need wings. So if he pans out at all, like this could be a massive upswing just to go out and get him. But, you know, it's a big risk. But at the same time, if you're trading back into the 20s, I don't think it's all that risky. I just no, obviously not at six people. So don't freak no, out. Like I'm saying, no. Patrick, I'm at six. Yeah. But this is just like looking at prospects like not only that I went to the top, but like somebody I wouldn't be mad if we traded back into the lottery or middle of the first round or whatever to, to get back into. That's kind of how we're going about building these uh, these big boards here. Yeah, so moving over next, I have EJ Liddell, 6'7", junior forward out of Ohio State. The man averaged 19 and 8. He did it on nearly 38% shooting from three and 2.6 blocks per game. Mm. Alex, this is a stretch four. He's efficient. He can shoot. He can pass. He can rebound. He can protect the rim, defend multiple positions. He does a little bit of everything. And what, what I really liked when reading up on him, he played center for most of his sophomore season. So it's like he feels like a small, you know, small ball big. It could be he's just very versatile, is what I'll put it this way. Hey, a good three and D guy. One thing that I love said earlier in this season is Rita, he shut down Paulo Bencaro all over the court. That's something that I mean, look, Paulo's gonna be the third overall pick of the draft. Liddell, right over here, you're getting this guy, you know, in between, I, I would probably say somewhere around that 17-ish range. So He's a little bit older being a junior, but he's bringing a lot to the table. So that's what I liked about him. Yeah, and one thing that I do also like about him too is he has a post-up game Mm -hmm. that, you know, we don't see it too often, but I still think it'd be nice to be able to give the ball to somebody and just let him kind of go to work in the post. Um, Very efficient, and he took some major steps this year with Ohio State. Really liked what him and Malachi Branham did together, and I think he kind of took that backseat to Branham towards the end of the season, right? So. Wasn't afraid of that, but the fact that he shot 37.5% from three, Fachi, as a six foot six, how tall is he? Six foot six? Six seven. Seven. Six seven. Okay. Like I said, these heights are all over the place. Oh, yeah, they are. Mm -hmm. Wingspans, weights, whatever. So I've seen anywhere from six, five and a half to six foot eight. It's just like ridiculous. So, um, but, but I do think like he, he has that ability to guard fives in the league. So I don't know about him guarding like, ones and twos more than likely no i know they always say that like you can guard one through five it's like you ever want these guys guarding a speedy point guard like no thank you yeah but i I think if you're looking at a player that can get you know potentially good defensive upside on a wing i think he is that guy and that too is why i have him at 13 believe it or not fachi we both had him slotted here at 13 so i'm interested to see how the rest of this board shakes out but 
that is our first commonality in terms of who we have at the same spot. Interesting. So should I go straight to 12? Let's do it. All right. A guy that you just mentioned, Malachi Brenham. Look, yeah. hey, maybe it was just the Ohio State connection over there that had me leaning towards putting these players next to each other. But six, five and a half, freshman, two guard out of Ohio State, the Ohio State, as they like to say. Uh, but anyway, look, I honestly feel like this kid's a straight up bucket that towards the <laughs> end of the year really caught on. Shot 42 and a half percent from three. Really good ball handler. Um, you can break down defenses. I feel like this is just a flat out score and you know i feel like this is probably someone who could have came back to college and done really well but now all of a sudden you know he was someone that was actually pushing for you know a green room invite so i see him probably being picked just outside the lottery but i think someone's going to get a real good player that could have been a household name next year if he came back to college I didn't have Malachi Branham on my list, and I know that okay. probably comes as a, as a hot take. It was I originally had him in that 14-15 range for me, Fachi, just below EJ Liddell in terms of like position of need that I feel like this Pacer team needs. But I just I just felt like now I'm gonna go upside here with these bigger wings. I think it makes more sense for what we need. But no, I think you're right. There's a lot of upside to him as well. I was really fascinated with how he played at Ohio State. Like I talked about him kind of taking over that offensive load there towards the back half of the season for for the Buckeyes and Chris Holtman but I'm a little bit worried about that three-point shot um he I feel like he's gonna have to work on the mechanics a little bit when he goes into the pros because he has a very low release so I feel like it could be problematic in the pros which could ultimately hurt his game um we've seen we've seen guys that we thought could be like studs come into the NBA and then like their game just never translate like this and I kind of get a little bit of nervous vibes when it comes to Branham in that regard Potentially something like um not I want to go book night all the way because book night really didn't Ooh, get the yeah. chance. No, he did but, but maybe talking some, about but maybe somebody like a Marshawn Brooks, somebody that like, oh, you thought he was gonna be awesome, right? And there was talks yeah, about like him, like him over Clay Thompson, right? Like that's oh this <laughs> that was a hot take there for a while. It's yeah, like yeah. Marshawn Brooks outplayed Clay Thompson and like I think it was a Pacers workout, so it was like okay. So, and I remember, I think it was Mike Wells who was covering the Pacers for the Indy Star at the time was like, I'm telling you, this dude's a bucket. Marshawn Brooks, man, he's, he can put him up. I think he ended up going to the Nets and then like just completely, you know, fizzled out. So yeah. for me, I, I do like Brandon a little bit more than him. I'm just trying to give you a little bit of like where, feeling where I'm at with him. I think he is a good player. I think that he will have a good role. He's just gonna have to work on some things. And for me, when I see the name Kara Silver, in, t- in terms of like potential like players like him it always scares me away a little bit yeah been there that we <laughs> have but uh yeah no I'm, I'm curious to hear who you got next all right so at number 12 this is where i've got the wisconsin guard johnny davis okay all right so that'd be 15 on my big board i'm just not the biggest believer in johnny davis and i'm gonna tell you why 19.7 points per game for a Wisconsin team that needed him to do everything. Obviously, I believe he was a Big Ten player of the year. The man was lights out. Don't get me wrong. He's, he's a competitor. He's tough as, tough as nails, and I really do like his defensive presence. But when I'm looking at this Pacers team, I just wonder how he fits in next to a guy like Tyrese Halliburton. I, I don't think he's nearly the athlete that I'm looking for in terms of a guard that I want next to Halliburton. And his three-point percentage is putrid. 30.6% from three this year, Fachi. And he's only got a six and a half, uh, six, six and a six, excuse me, six and a half, six foot, eight and a half wingspan. 
I, I and he's only 196 pounds. Like that's not bad. I, I'm just, I look at him overall and I think to myself, I just don't see it with this guy. Maybe it's because I got a big 10 bias. I have no idea, but there was like, I think we talked about it recently on one of the podcasts where, you know, he put the clamps on Jaden Ivey in the, uh, in the big 10 tournament or the big 10, one of the big 10 regular season games. And I get it. Like he's got that presence to him where he can be that lockdown defender. But for me, I've seen the mock of the paces at six and it just makes me worried to death that they could go that route because I personally just don't see that upside with him. I think he's a very, maybe like a, a, a good rotational player, fringe starter at the most for his career. I don't necessarily see him as like this top eight standout that a lot of people claim him to be. Um, but, but overall, I, I think he's a good player. I'm not saying he's a bad player. I think he's going to be impactful in the league to a certain level, but just not at the level that I think people are projecting him to, to pan out to be. Fear not, brother, because I got Johnny Davis as my next guy. Honestly, okay. I'm low on him just like you. And I know there's some Johnny Davis, like big believers out there that might take that as like, you know, a little bit of disrespect because we're talking about a guy that, what do we have, you know, 11, 12, like right in that range right now yeah. for our prospects. I just feel like Johnny Davis, and I, and I use this comparison like a while back, is I feel like Johnny Davis has come around every single year. Yeah. The guy in college with the high usage rate that had a lot on his shoulders to, to take care of the team. To put this out there, his usage rate was 32.5%. That is ridiculously off the charts and not something that he's going to get on the next level. His defense, yes, it, it is it is very quality when you also factor in the fact that he averaged 20 points per game, but you touched on his three-point percentage. And towards the back end of the season, the man fell off a cliff from an efficiency percentage. Uh, efficiency percentage. But at the same point, man, look, yeah, there's things to like, but – I just feel like I, and maybe it's, maybe it's wrong to say, I just don't think he has this high ceiling. I feel like Johnny Davis, if you're talking about a quote, Kevin O'Connor had this line, a bucket getting guard, but needs to improve his shooting. It's like, wait, what, which one is it? Are you getting buckets <laughs> or are you struggling with your shot? So I just feel like it's going to be tough on the next level. Great guy, all American, great guy who benefited big time coming back to college. But to me, I'm just like, man, we already we already drafted Chris Duarte last year. Like, I, I feel good about that. Like, there's no need to draft, like, another type of that. And that's not to say that, you know, they're the same player by any means. They're not. But we just did that with our first-round pick last year. So there's other guys with higher ceilings I'd like to pursue. Yeah, and honestly, there's some guys above here that you might be surprised that I have above Johnny Davis. But, you know, I, I, this is where I'm at. And the mid-range game is where he thrives, Fachi. We know that. I brought it up multiple times on here, so I don't want to be redundant. But Carlisle doesn't like the mid-range, okay? Like, it's like the Hails best – to a chalkboard for Carlisle. Yeah, and it's a, that's the best attribute that he brings to the offensive side of the table. And Carlisle doesn't really want to shoot or play that way. So it's like, okay, um, does it make a whole lot of sense to go that route with him? So that, that's kind of where I'm at with him. Um, I'll share my number 11. It's someone you already brought up, and that's Jalen Williams, the guard out of Santa Clara. Yeah, this is a guy that I'm really fascinated with, Fachi. Uh, don't want to reiterate all the stats that you brought up, but just looking at the percentages standpoint, I was just blown away. 51% from the field, 55% from two, 39.6% from three, 80.9% from the free throw line with a seven foot two and a uh, two and a quarter inch wingspan at six foot six. That is a massive wingspan for a guard. I think that whether he's coming off the bench or a starter, 
he could really muck it up defensively. I love the way that he's just, you know, he's just got such a feel for the game, Fachi. We know that. We've talked about that um, before off, off the air. We really haven't talked about Jalen Williams a lot on the air because he's kind of been a guy that we never really projected to be around where the Pacers pick. So it's like, why would we really bring him up? But I think he would be a perfect fit with this Pacers offense, especially Tyrese Halliburton, give another ball handler to play with him, but someone that doesn't always have to have the ball in his hands. And I think it gives you some insurance too, in case TJ McConnell gets hurt again or something like that. But he just, he just really took off this year. And with the efficiency from, you know, the three point line, almost a 40% shooter, that's, that's huge to me. And he also had a 60% trooper, uh, true shooting percentage as well. So I really like this guy and he's someone that I'm continuing to watch. They, they've, Kevin O'Connor has compared him to T.J. Warren and OG and Anobi. I mean, those are two players that Indiana fans are very familiar with. And I think if you can get someone like that in the middle of the first round, that's that's worth taking a swing on. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it definitely is very intriguing right over there. So, hey, I, I had him on my list. So, you, you know, you know, I'm very interested, but it's always nice to hear that, hey, you know, you got him even higher. So I, I think that that's one of those names that I told you we keep hearing. If anyone's listening to any draft podcast, like, He's the climber. So yeah. it, it's getting very interesting. Right over here is where, you know, the waters get a bit more interesting as hey, well. Hold that for a second. Let's take, let's take a quick break, Fachi, and we'll get back to our top 10 right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, Fachi, sorry that I interrupted you there. Now let's get back to it. Number 10 on your big board, who you got? I'm going with Terry Eason. Terry Eason, 6'8", sophomore, a gritty defender. I thought this was someone where him transferring last year just kind of saved everything. His transfer over to LSU really put him on the map. Uh, very active off the ball defender. You know, someone that can get steals and blocks in bunches. Uh, I, I do think that, you know, he, he needs to add some more to his offensive game. But one thing that was really interesting that I read was he's a foul magnet, 5.6 free throw attempts per game in only 24 minutes. That's mm. it was one of the best rates in college basketball. So just put it that way. He could play a small ball center, but I think he'd be good at the four, you know. But also, I think that he can guard guards. I think that this is someone who, like I said, offensively, he's got a way to go. But Overall, you're getting a, a real talented player that I feel like is, is creeping into that, that lottery area where it's, it's not going to be a top 10 pick. It should probably be somewhere around 14, but you're getting someone that shot is very limited attempts, but 37% from three last year on 70 attempts. 
averaged just about 17 and seven with two steals last year. So I liked what I saw. Yeah, you bring up some really good statistics and some really good tidbits there. And one of the things that I love about him is got that seven foot two wingspan. But oh god, I love that. Show through that in there. Why? Why in the world do we keep seeing him get mocked out of the lottery? I don't know why. A couple of weeks ago, this guy was like around ten and twelve. Now on certain things, I'm seeing him like sixteen or seventeen. I'm like, yeah. this guy's gonna prove some people wrong. Is it because of the age? Because he's twenty one? Is that what we're worried about? I think we factor that in, and I'm guilty of it too. At times, being like, this guy can't play. He's already twenty one, and it's like, huh. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, it's like they're gonna have Ooh. so much longer left in their careers. But you know, that's how it was. Like all of a sudden, now you look at an eighteen year old. A knock on him could be this guy's a year or two away from being able to contribute anything. So yeah. age, I, I think, is something that we take too much into effect. Like I said, I'm guilty of it too. All right. Well, I've got a lot to say about Terry Eason, but that's not going to be at number 10. That just feels like disrespect. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm very, very, very high on him. And we'll get to that in a little bit. I've been high on him for a long time now, which is no surprise to anybody listening to this podcast. But for me at 10, this is a guy that I don't even think you have on your list. He's a 22-year-old guard forward out of Kansas, the one and only Ochayak Baji. Look, I absolutely love what he did at Kansas this year. Helped lead them to a championship. 18.8 points per game, 5.1 rebounds per game, 1.6 assists per game on 47 and a half, shooting from the field, 53.4% from two, 40.7% from three, 74.3% from the free throw line, six foot five, 210 pounds with a six foot 10 and a quarter wingspan Fachi. Look, I get him. He's 22 years old. But if you look at Chris Duarte, he's a baby still. So I'm not worried about that. Yeah. He, he's got that. He's got that ability to just be a perfect fit. This is not your guy you're drafting at six, but this is somebody that if you traded back, let's just say, for example, this sounds like really boring, but let's say Keegan Murray is the pick to take at six. Then they want to add another guy that can really help them play good basketball. Ochayak Baji would be a perfect fit with this Pacers team because he can just he, he can do everything. He's not a guy that is going to have that superstar potential, but I feel like you put him and Duarte on the floor together, you're talking about good on-ball defense. You're talking about guys that can knock it down from three, just really good guys that can cut without the ball. I mean, he's a little bit more athletic than Chris Duarte, so there's no doubt about that. I feel like he can be a little bit of a ball handler at time two, so – Overall, I just feel like this is a guy that maybe gets slept on a little bit too much because of the age and the upside. But I think if you're looking at just a complete package, he's a guy that is going to be a winner in this league. He could be very well the um, the Cameron Johnson pick of this draft. Good. Uh, and I want to say he was national player of the year. Uh, I mean, this is, this yeah. is someone that, you know, hey, he, he did it all this year. I, I think the fact that the Pacers drafted Duarte – scared me off from drafting another older guy, like a guy that's that's 22 years old. Look, the same rant I said before of, hey, I'm guilty of it. This is the exact situation <laughs> where I'm guilty of it. Yeah. So I'll own that, that it's just like, man, this guy did produce. But for me, I just wanted someone that could have a bit of a higher ceiling, which is why you know, I left him off. Maybe I'm a, you know, maybe a little hater in this instance. But uh, because I, I am a West Virginia Mountain, yeah, Harry, Big Twelve Kansas, hater, uh, you know, Kansas <laughs> runs the show, so I, I do have a sour taste. But I'll give him his flowers. Really good player who benefited for it, got better each year, and I do think that he could be an instant contributor on any team. 
Yeah. So, well, what, what, what do you think about this? Do you think Kevin Pritchard being a Kansas alum has any ooh. potential factor in this? It's possible, but I don't remember any Kansas guys playing on uh, the Pacers anytime, anytime recent at all. Uh, so, Brandon Rush. Oh, okay. But that was before Pritchard's time. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, we, we did a Brandon Rush. Shout out to Brandon Rush and Kareem Rush, the Rush brothers. Um, <laughs> but, you know, at, at this point, man, I, I, I just – if we were going to draft two shooting guards that are both 22 years plus, it's like, ugh. But I know, like you factored in, it wouldn't be at pick six. And that's yeah. where it changed things for me. And, that, and that's kind of what I wanted to make sure I clarified. Like, uh, after this, maybe we can – I can talk myself into these guys being at six. Probably not still after this, but – this is a guy that I'm thinking, okay, for example, let's say they made a trade with New York or Washington and got 10-11, and, like, you're looking at these guys first, maybe some guys that are around the board a little bit higher, like a Johnny Davis or something like that. For, for me, I'd prefer Ogbaje over Johnny Davis. That's just my opinion. Now, somebody will probably laugh at me and say, there's no way you take him over Johnny Davis, which will probably be the majority of draft analysts. But I just feel like the all-around game to me is more of something that I would prefer on my team than you know what Johnny Davis did for Wisconsin I, I just think the fact that Kansas won the championship and he was such a pivotal player on that championship team being coached by Bill Self one of the best coaches in college basketball if not the best right now um, I feel like that could play dividends too into how he factors into this you know Pacers team moving forward yeah I mean it, it's it, the guy's going to be ready to contribute on day one compared to some of these other guys and we starting to enter into that range right now where we're starting to throw out some projects over here. Yeah. So it's going to get interesting. <laughs> Moving over next, I have a guy that you mentioned isn't on your list. Maybe I catch some heat for this. I'm going with Jalen Duran. Okay. Right? Duran reclassified early. This man is a baby. All right. So he should have been in high school last year. Super young. Doesn't even turn 19 until October. Elite upside from a shot blocking standpoint. Seven foot five wingspan. So hey, it's not quite Mark Williams like. But at the same point, it, it's pretty freakish. So he averaged 12 points per game, seven and a half rebounds, 2.2 blocks per game. Did not have the year that he wanted, and, and, and no one's going to argue otherwise. But this man, I think, could be a, an elite rim protector on the next level. Great inside. Will there ever be more of an offensive game? Like, you know, he attempted one three in college, similar to Mark Williams, missed it too. Um, but Another thing of, look, what are we doing with turnover here? If he's set to hit free agency, I feel like Jalen Duren could be one of the, the a great guy to learn underneath Turner for a year. But at this point, I, I'm, I wouldn't want to pick a center six, but if the Pacers are to trade back over there, it gives them a lot of options moving forward. Jalen Duren, I think, is someone years down the line that people are going to say, how did this guy slip? Mm. See, this to me, I just feel like the center position has become devalued to a certain degree. And oh, it has. Unless you're like – Unless you're Embiid or Jokic. Yeah. MVPs, you know, or you know, top two in MVP. Yeah, because I feel like he's got some Dwight Howard's, you know, stuff to his game. Like, I could see that. I could see that. Young guy that doesn't really have like a go-to basket. He just kind of no, like uses his power to kind of go through people. He's can jump out of the gym. He's as athletic as all get out. Like this is a guy – Honestly, when you watch him play, like, I get shades of DeAndre Jordan and Dwight Howard when I watch him, which isn't a bad player at all, but I wonder how that type of player plays in today's NBA. I think maybe I'm overthinking it, but I still think they can play, but obviously we've been so, like, brainwashed by these couple last years of 
the Dwight Howard and the the DeAndre Jordan that we've seen. Excuse me. Oh, my God. I, I might have said Aiden, but I meant Jordan, DeAndre Jordan. So, yeah. Um, One thing so, I got to say. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. For, for those of you that didn't watch Memphis, because I didn't, I'm going to be honest, mm-hmm. but when I watched March Madness, this dude gave Chet fits. He did. Fits. I mean, Chet Holmgren did not look like a top two pick uh, against Jalen Durant. Really that, not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it, it made me think like, wow, okay, this, this is someone that I, cause I love to follow high school rankings to see where players are going. He was such a big name. And then I heard like nothing about Jalen Durant during the year. And now all of a sudden when I saw him play the defense on Chet, I was like, Ooh, okay. And I caught yeah. my eye. He's grown on me since then. And at this point centers in this draft outside of, you know, the, the top couple picks of, of big men, um, you know, not really centers, but still bigs. I feel like there's a drop off and then there's guys like Jalen Duren and Mark Williams, you know, back towards that, like, you know, uh, just after pick 10 to 14 in that range. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's fair. Fatch. I just, for me personally, Jalen Duran, I think that he's going to be good. I think he's going to have to be on the right team though. Oh yeah. And I, I worry about that to a certain degree, like um, just depending on which team he goes to, like I kind of like the idea of him going to San Antonio. That'd be good. With the Spurs. I feel like they'd be a great organization for him, but I, I feel Charlotte like Charlotte could help him out. Charlotte could too, um, but they got to get their head coaching stuff figured out. Yeah, that was a, that's a mess. That is a hot mess. It's a <laughs> very, very reminiscent to Josh McDaniels here ditching the yep. Colts yep. before Frank Reich got in there. But I will say this, like, I, I think he could thrive in New York a little bit under Tom Thibodeau, but at the same time, I feel like the Knicks are such a hot mess in what they do all the time. Mm-hmm. I just don't really know what to expect. So overall, I, I don't dislike him. I just don't think the pace need a center. But like you said, with your point, it's a great point. If they do trade Turner or feel like he's going to be an expiring contract, then you just maybe take that risk, especially if you think his upside is higher than one of Isaiah Jackson. But um, are you ready for my number nine, Fudge? I'm ready. Let's look at the forward from Duke who just had a tryout or a workout with the Indiana Pacers, excuse me. Potentially, I think he's like the second youngest in the draft, right? Is Dern younger mm-hmm. than him? A.J. Griffin? So th- this is a guy I have at nine, and it, it's it's he just makes me very nervous overall because of the injury history. We've talked about that quite a bit. But the guy can shoot lights out, okay? Just look at these shooting splits here, Fachi. 49% from the field, 54%, 54.7% from two, 44.7% from three, 79.2% from the free throw line. Got a funky shot, but he's six foot six, 222 pounds, seven foot wingspan. He's got the build and he's got the resume to prove that he's got good shooting numbers. However, it's on a low number, only average 10.4 points per game. He doesn't have any defense to him right now. It's very bad. He's going to have to work tremendously hard on that end of the floor. This Pacers team needs defense, but at just 18.8 years old, I feel like Griffin is a kid that can really take some steps and become a good defender in the right system. If he's got a Miles Turner behind him, then I think you feel a little bit better about his defense. Obviously, you still want it to be good. He's just going to have to develop that. I think it's a lot of it's just mind over matter, getting comfortable with that knee injury, realizing, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm good, I'm athletic, because he looked ripped, absolutely shredded in that interview that he did after his workout. Like, he had some massive biceps. I'm like, okay, hopefully he's getting himself into the best shape possible for the future, because if he can stay healthy and work on his defense, this could, could be – a top five player in this draft if he did a redraft if he hits on everything that he has upside wise but for me 
I got laughed at picking him. What was it? Eight in our mock draft. So it was eight, man. I didn't I'm know low. if you were coming back on the show after that. I know. No. So I'm, I'm lowering him to 12 here. Technically it's 12 because our top three don't count, but he's number nine on my Pacers big board for what I think they could do after pick four or after pick three, excuse me. Hey, I'm going to touch on Griffin in a little bit. So I'll, I'll save my answers yeah. over there, but uh, to be continued, but moving over next, this is a guy that people are raving about that could be one of the better players in the draft in a few years from now, but he's very raw. Usman Dieng, 19 year old, 6'10 forward from the New Zealand breakers. Look, I'm going to be honest. I don't get to watch the New Zealand breakers. I don't, I don't see him play like that, but from everything I was reading up, the upside is through the roof. He's got the size, defense, shot creation. Problem is, it's just offensively from a scoring standpoint, it's not there. It's just, it, it's ugly. It's going to take some time. But you know you know how it is with, with some of these European prospects. They're more of a project where they need a couple of years, but they're getting better and better and better. And the, the stats, they don't translate the same. Like you, you look at some of, some of these European prospects, you know, international prospects better to say and it's just like well those numbers don't look great but at the same point they've said sometimes hey the nba is actually easier so you know what we'll, we'll see it's a little bit more free-flowing but usman Dieng, he's six nine he's 19 years old at small forward i love the size I, I think that that's someone that if the pacers are really looking to do a rebuild and take your time he's someone that could make a lot of sense if he's there yeah, no, I actually really like him. I've got him higher on my board than this. So um, I will not spoil everything, but just real quick, I think there's a lot of potential to fix the problems that he has. And I think that part of the problems that he has is just not getting the consistency in terms of touches and looks and that kind of thing to get into a rhythm. But um, I, I watched a couple of different YouTube videos where they were doing some scouting reports on him. And you can see where he is a very special player. I'll touch on that more here, but um, in a little bit, but I want to get to my number eight. This is a guy that also worked out for the Pacers in a group. And that was Dyson Daniels from the G League Ignite. Just 19 years old, 11.3 points per game, 5.9 rebounds, 4.4 assists in the G League on 44.9% shooting from the field, 25.5% from three, 73.7% from the free throw line. I believe it was Weed Hotchkiss who works for Pacers.com who talked about how he is, you know, compared to Tyrese Halliburton. Okay. I believe Kristen Peak brought that up on our podcast. Mm -hmm. He has a very similar game to him. I like Dyson Daniels, but I don't like him at six. I feel like that's too big of a reach for me at six. I like the upside with him. I think that his 6'11 wingspan being six foot, how tall is he? Seven, eight, something like that. So it's like yeah, they got him at they got him at like between six, seven, and six, eight, depending on which site you look at now. Yeah, yeah, because he grew during the combine. So he grew a couple inches taller. He's 199 pounds. Like I think the G League actually has him listed at six foot six. So it's kind of all over the map with who he is height wise. But I really think the three point shot was something people raved about at the draft combine. Something that looked like he had fixed. So, like, hey, if this dude can become a consistent three point shooter, then maybe I'd reconsider what I think about him as a player because, you know, you can't have too many ball handlers out there, Fachi, guys that have potential on defense at the same time. I just, when it comes to Dyson Daniels, I feel like um, this is a guy that I'm picking in the probably eight to 12 range just feel like six is a little bit too early for him I've seen him mock there quite a bit I, I I like him as a prospect but I do not love him as much as some other people do but um I, I wouldn't hate this as the pick if it was the pick but I definitely wouldn't be that excited 
trying to sell myself on Dyson Daniels and I'll put it like that because I have him a little bit higher on my list. So I don't want to, I don't want to spoil it now. Uh, but I'm in agreement with a lot of what you said. And now it's starting to feel more real. Like we talked about coming in for the workout, you know, we're starting to see him projected at six to the Pacers, but I'm with you that eight to 12 range. And I think it's probably eight to 10 is probably where he's going to go. But, you know, to be continued in a little bit, I'm going to touch on a player that you just spoke about before. That's AJ Griffin. I got Griffin a little bit higher than you got him. One of the best wing shooters in the draft, no doubt. Look, the star potential, it's there. But we're talking about a guy that missed the majority of two years of high school with knee and ankle injuries. Like, Alex, you know what we've been through in Mm -hmm. Indiana. I mean, if we're going to take another flyer on a guy with injury history, it just shows that in the end, one day it's going to bite us again. And we're going to say, we thought this day it was going to happen. And when you look (laughs) at it across the board with, you know, with the the TJ Warrens and the Brogdons and, and everybody else down the line, it's like, man, can we afford to take that risk again at six when there's a lot of other really good talent there? So you talked about the three point percentage. If he qualified, his 48.3% would have led the nation, but he didn't get enough threes out there. I do think that he was overshadowed at Duke because Bancaro was there. So he's got the nice mid-range touch. He could draw some contact, but like, I feel like he could end up being a better NBA player where, you know what, maybe we're the ones that in the end pass up on him and, and, and we should have you know, taking the, the, the flyer, but we've been burned by players with an injury history. And that's why I can't convincingly make that pick at six. Yeah. And, and here's the thing too. Like I've, I think, I think he's even said that Jimmy Butler is his favorite player to watch. I did hear that. Yep. Which, which it's cool. cool. It's great. Yeah. I mean, that's, hey. that, and that people are starting to draw comparisons to their game because they're not like the most athletic guys with the their strength to get to the basket, you know, obviously I think Griffin's probably a better shooter than the Jimmy Butler is yes. because, oh, definitely. you know, Jimmy Butler is not a guy that you're expecting to like knock down a bunch of threes, but he will hit them on occasion. Right. Very streaky. Yeah. He's a hot or cold type of guy, but the injury stuff is what just is, is the biggest red flag with him. You have to think about it. How many guys have the Pacers gotten recently that have just been, can't keep him because he can't stay healthy. Karis LeVert, obviously TJ Warren's an unrestricted free agent. Miles Turner has been hurt the last couple of years. Malcolm Brogdon's definitely been hurt the last couple of years and probably throughout his entire career. So it's just like recently their core players of guys have had lengthy injury uh, history. So it's like, do you want to invest in a guy that's going to be potentially that same type of player, even though he does have the build that you're looking for in today's modern wing? That's the question mark. So it is a high risk, high reward, but how high is the reward? Is it higher than the risk that you're taking? That's where I'm not seeing eye to eye on that. I don't know if you agree with that take, but that's no, just I do. Yeah. This six pick, <laughs> it, it's everything to us. So to take to take a history on a guy like with that has injuries like that, like you would prefer if that guy more has like like he's shown you superstar potential. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Griffin hasn't shown that that he could be a superstar. He's shown like the flashes here and there, this and that, but like man, the injuries, they're they're scary. They are. And at six, mm-mm. if the Pacers are to make a trade back, you know, I wouldn't laugh at us if we took them at, you know, maybe an eight or a nine or something like the way that you got laughed at. But at six, I just can't do it. I got almost laughed off my own podcast, by I it's guess. True. So, you know, that one hurt, Kristen. I'm still recovering. It's been about four days and I, I still <laughs> don't know how I'm handling it. But 
let's move on to my number seven here, Fachi, and then we'll wrap up with number six after this in the second segment. But for me, number seven, Usman Zhang is the guy that I got here at seven. I've got him higher than Dyson Daniels and AJ Griffin, and here's why. This dude has such a good feel, Fachi. When I'm watching him play, it's it just like the highlights that you watch, you just see it. He sees the floor very well. He's got a smooth handle to himself. He's blocking guys at the rim, you know, like he's he's a six foot ten wing that can handle the ball. Like, not saying he's Giannis. I'm not saying that, but you know, he's got that kind of feel for how to block shots like Giannis does. He's just got great timing on things. He's long. He's gonna become a better player. I think he's got a lot of potential defensively. Three point shooting was putrid. Twenty seven percent from three, Fachi. That's terrible. Oof. And he um, and he shot 39% from the field. So that's got to be better too. But he did shoot 51% from two, which I think is enticing. So he, we know that international play is very different. We understand that there's grown men playing in this league. These guys are trying to get a feel for things. But I feel like if I'm Rick Carlisle and I want someone that can just come up here and muck it up defensively, somebody that could be in that 10 to 12 range, he's a guy that I'm looking hard at because just 19 years old, he can probably guard one through five. I really do believe that. He's probably one of the only guys in this draft that can. And I like defensive upside. I'm really big on wings right now, Fachi, because I feel like that's what we desperately need to hit on in this draft if we, you know, guard heavy at the top or whatever. I, I don't know what we're going to do, but I still think if you walked away with two wing type of players, you're not going to be disappointed. So I, I'm very high on him, and, and I will tell you this. His shot creation is something special. Like watching him shoot threes, the numbers don't speak good for them. The numbers don't speak well of his three-point shooting, but his form looks pretty good. So I, I think that these are just mechanics. He can work with Coach Jenny, um, Coach Norad, Coach Cheney. I, I think all these guys can, all these women and coaches can help him out and he can really develop that game. Yeah, look, you know, when I started to doubt for a little bit, I just went, look, if all the, the draft analysts that are experts are raving about this guy, I got to buy in. I got it. And that's what I'm doing over here. Because with international prospects, we see it takes a couple of years. And Alex, I did my very best to do, you know, to not do what you did and not bring up Giannis because it's the easy way to think. It's yeah. the easy way to go. Of like, look, this is a guy that's going to get better and better. And like, he's raw now, but just give him time. Like, that was my first thought of like, okay, hey, look, you know, if Giannis got judged off of his rookie year or anything, people would have been like, get this guy out of here. But it's yep. just like, he's going to get better. He has all the it factors that you're looking for. The man just needs time. And at his at his position, at his size, everything like that, that would be very unique for the Pacers when they've had just a massive gap at the wing position for, for too long. Mm -hmm. no, I completely agree. Let's move over to number six. Watch who you got. Number six, just before the commercial break, I'm going with Jeremy Sohan right oh. over here. So this is someone that, uh, you know, I, I know we both like him, but elite defensive prospect. I want to... I want to circle elite. I want to underline it. I want to bold it, all right? They're talking <laughs> about when you're drawing comparisons to Draymond Green of this draft, I'm sorry, but I want a piece, all right? Yet, he's also two inches taller than Draymond. He's 6'9". He's 19. This guy was a freshman. He showed flashes of being a really special player. Could be a two-way player, but the offensive side of his game, it needs more development, and as does a lot of players, but he's a playmaker. So it's not just that he's a defensive pest. 
This guy can make plays to set up everyone else. He's got a great feel for the game. I know we toss it around too much. He can defend one through five. He he can do it. Look, I feel like this is someone that, you know, I don't know if he could end up being that small ball center because, you know, he'll need to beef up a little bit more. But at 6'9", hey, if Draymond's doing it at 6'7", look, then he's got a shot. So his mom and dad played college basketball. I feel like it's just in his genes. Give the man some time. If you want to judge him by three-point numbers and percentage and stuff like that, they're not there yet. They're not. But this draft, it doesn't have that many elite, elite, like, like on the ball, like this could be the – I would put it this way. He's viewed as the best defender in this draft. Mm-hmm. That's that's what you're getting out of him. And we know how much the Pacers need that defensive guy, that chippiness, that edge. I feel like that's Jeremy Solon right there. Yeah, this is who I have at 6'2". So this is our oh, second wow. commonality oh. here, Fachi. Jeremy Sohan, number six for me. You pretty much described him as perfectly as I could. You know, I will say this offensively, you're right. It's not there yet. And it's and it's going to be a lot of hustle points that he gets for you. But that's okay. Like, I, I think we kind of overlook some of this. Like, look at Kevon Looney, a guy for the Warriors who didn't have to shoot the basketball to be this super effective player. Just play solid defense, guard your position well, be able to switch, be able to stay in front of your man, be able to rebound the basketball, protect the rim. I think you can do all that. We know that he is a fighter. He is tenacious. He is pesky. He is very annoying. He's going to be a guy you hate playing against, almost like Dennis Rodman, right? He's going to be a guy that lays it all out on the floor. I don't know if he's near the elite rebounder, that Dennis Rodman no, is no, he, no one is. You know, but I, I think that I can see some Dennis Rodman type of level in his game with his defensive ability. We've heard some comparisons to Sean Marion. I think more recently, you've heard probably, like you said, Draymond Green, a little bit of Aaron Gordon compared to him. But I just feel like he knows going into it, he's not trying to be some offensive like savior for this team or anything like that. Like he knows his role. The Pacers are supposed to work him out. His flight got canceled as well as two other players that were on that flight. So he never got to work out for him. But that shows the Pacers, to me, at least were interested in finding a way to potentially get him. And then probably not at six, but, you know, there's some crazy mock drafts that have him out there at six. Oh, yeah. But this is what I love about him. You know, um, he just knows where to be on the right spot, and he can really impact the game, like you said. So I do believe in him, and I, I think that his ability to draw fouls um, will be beneficial for him. He's just going to have to figure out how to hit his free throws because he shot a poor percentage in college, just around 59%, I believe. So um, he's going to have to work on that. So I do like him overall, 230 pounds, seven foot wingspan, six foot nine. He is your modern day defensive forward. Yeah, and look, here's what I want to say right over here. You know, we don't, comparisons, look, they're, you're more likely to be wrong on a comparison than you are to be right, but like, there could be Ron Artest-like vibes, but, you know, not going into the stands. Like, just a guy <laughs> who's going to be a pest, who's got the great size. I mean, Artest was 6'7". We're talking about Sohan being 6'9". A larger wingspan over there. Offensively, Artest was not just coming into the league super gifted. Artest was coming out of a few years at St. John's. We're talking about Sohan being a freshman. You know, he's going to get better. He's younger. I feel like this is someone that could, I think, have a positive, infectious vibe on the team. So there's a lot of good stuff he's bringing to the table. Offensively, I don't think that that's the Pacers' biggest need right now because they showed they can score points, but they were just giving up way too many of them. I think he would be absolutely fun to watch in a Rick Carlisle system. I, I would just love to see what Carlisle does with him. 
just like, okay, you're gonna go guard LeBron tonight. Okay, yeah. now you're gonna go guard Giannis. Now I want you to go guard Kevin Durant. I mean, just throw him at everybody, see what he can do. Because honestly, who else you throwing at him? I mean, on this Pacers team right now, who are you throwing on him? I mean, he would be the most fun to watch on those type of players. But with that said, like you said, we're gonna take a break, Flachi. So let's come right back and we will reveal our top five after this. Okay, Fachi, here we are, your top five. Let's get down to it. Number five, who you got? I got a man who, like I, I hinted at earlier, he's growing on me a bit, but I'm not all the way there. And that's Dyson Daniels. Look, okay. we're starting to see him mocked to the Pacers. They brought him in. We, you talked about how he grew from 6'6 six, six to 6'8. Six, that's the thing that's catching everybody's attention. You're talking about a, a, a jumbo-sized point guard prospect with Outstanding defensive mechanics. Look, they talked about his facilitating abilities. I find it hard to believe that's Tyrese Halliburton-esque, but there is a lot of value in having two guards that can distribute the ball, also play real good defense. But another guy over here where it feels like when you get the guys that are real good defensively, the offensive game just ain't coming with them. And that seems like the case with Dyson Janos right there, where the offensive game, the, the three-point shooting, it's not there. This guy actually shot sub 30% from three and just 53% from the free throw line. But you're talking about, you know, look, when, when a shooter's coming off of a screen, he's going to be hit right in the right spot. The player's calling for a lob. He's going to put it right on point. You know, he, he can guard multiple positions. So I know we're, we're saying that a lot over here, but this is someone who I feel like is going to continue to get better and better offensively. But what you want from a defensive standpoint is already there. The size, it, 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 you can't teach size. That's there. A pairing of him and Halliburton could be very intriguing, but I'm not quite ready at pick six. I feel like when you said eight to 12 range, I feel like Dyson Daniels is going right around eight in this draft. Yeah, I, I can't – like, I, I've said this before. I can't see him getting past the Pelicans from what I've heard. Yeah, I don't think I can either. It seems like the Pelicans really like him, and I think he could fit in pretty well with that Pelicans team because they still need a point guard. They don't really have one. I don't know if he's the answer at point guard. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. But, you know, it, it's an interesting thing there. Let me ask you this just out of curiosity because – What you got? Um, I feel like Daniels, like, there's a little bit more polish to his offensive game. Is that what maybe gave you the edge for him over a guy like Jeremy Sohan? Yeah, I, I did feel like – I felt like Sohan's going to be more of a project offensively where I felt like Dyson Daniels, like, you're already getting a guy who, you know, is going to be a playmaker, real good rebounder for size. I mean, I know Sohan is too, but talking about from a guard perspective. Yeah. Uh, I, I just felt like the playmaking ability with the great size, having, you know, a real good defender at a guard spot – it gave me a little bit of the edge over there. Plus, I also kind of felt like, hey, this is someone who, you know, playing in the G League already. You know, it's I don't want to keep throwing around the like other everyone says, like grow, playing against grown men, because, look, some of those guys are not good enough for the NBA. But let's call it like it is. But I, I do think that there are teams that are falling in love with Dyson Daniels. I'm not quite there at six, but I also felt like, hey, this is a guy that ain't getting passed. Eight, while Sohan, you know, could be in that like ten to twelve range. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I do think there's a case that Daniels could fall to ten, just depending on who gets what pick and what they want. But you know, I, I just feel like I like that pairing a lot with the Pelicans. So we'll see what happens here. But for me, Fachi here at number five, I've got a guy you brought up earlier. This is a guy that's been near and dear to my heart. It's the 21 year old out of LSU, Terry Eason. 
Ooh, very high on him. This is why I'm so high on him. He came off the bench and played, like you said, just 24 minutes per game, but he still averaged 17 points per game, 6.6 rebounds, two steals almost. He shot 52% from the field, 56% from two, 36% from three, and 80% from the free throw line. He's got a seven foot two wingspan. He's six foot eight. He's 217 pounds. I get it. He's got to get better offensively, but his defense leads to offense, Flatchy. I feel like if you look at his numbers compared to a Jeremy Sohan, I think to myself, this dude is lights out offensively compared to Sohan. And I feel like they're very similar on the defensive side of things, but the offensive upside of Terry Eason is the reason I've got him ahead of a guy like Sohan. He might not be as impactful defensively as Sohan, but he's not that far off. Yes, he's two years older than him. I understand that. Started out at Cincinnati, didn't have a great career in Cincinnati. It was just okay. Comes to LSU. This LSU team was under a lot of allegations. I believe they got their coach fired before the NCAA tournament. And, you know, it was just a weird situation, obviously. But there was a lot of talent on this team. So for him to be able to put up those numbers in not limited, limited minutes, but 24 minutes off the bench, it's, it's good, but not great. I feel like he's very efficient. Sliding under the radar a little bit too much for my desire. Maybe I'm a little bit too high on him here, but I'm just biased. I love this kid. I think he's going to be a special, special player. And this is the guy that I would be targeting if I'm the Pacers. If I stay at six for some reason, come back into the lottery or come back into that middle pack there, like 15 to 18 range, I am praying and begging that these GMs overlook Terry Easton and I'm able to get him and get the steal of the draft. Oh, make no mistake. The Pacers get back into that 15-18 range, like you mentioned. He's there. It's a home run pick. It's yeah. a great pick right over there. You know, yeah, I mean, I know you're higher on him than I am, and you have. He has been one of your draft crushes. Yeah. I would, I would take him at 10. I would take him at 10 if I was there at 10. No, it seems yeah, high. Yeah. I would take him, though. That's probably the highest in any scenario that I could see him going um but hey we'll see what your wizards can do if they're going to cough it up but moving over <laughs> next to my pick i had keegan murray look you know i know people are are much higher on him than i than i am maybe maybe even you we'll see but keegan murray they're the viewing him as the ideal stretch four for modern basketball right now he's inefficient he's a lethal shooter he spaces the floor he's got a lot of stuff that, that you like maybe could be a small ball center maybe but you're getting a guy that is a real good three-point shooter. I feel like he can improve his scoring overall in the paint. He's older than I like. You know, I mean, I talked about that before. But he's, a for some reason, I don't know how he's this old as a sophomore. But Keegan Murray is literally like 22 years old as a sophomore. Not sure how that's possible. I graduated college at 21, and I am no boy genius. I'll tell you that. So, look, he's 6'8", averaged 23.3 points per game, 8.6 rebounds, two blocks. I felt like this was the guy that benefited the most coming back to school. But one thing that I found really interesting, and I, and I, I do like this about guys, he was unranked in high school. So this mm. is one of those guys that has just worked his butt off to get to where he is. I'm going to be honest. I hope the Kings just take him at four so we don't even have to debate it. But I don't think that's going to happen, but there's been rumblings. Yeah, I've got Keegan Murray higher. Um, okay. Obviously, you guys know that I have been very high on this next person of mine. I don't want to say anything about Keegan Murray until I get to him, so I'm just going to let you sit there for a little bit with it. Uh, I'll come back to Keegan Murray here in a second. But for me, number four, 
This is a guy that I actually had at one point ahead of Jaden Ivey, and that's Jaden Sharp. I have him at four, Fachi. I've I've cooled off a little bit on Shaden Sharp. I still think that, oh my God, like six foot five, 198 pounds, six eleven and a half wingspan, number one high school recruit. This guy could be the steal of the draft overall. I know I've mentioned like AJ Griffin could be the steal of the draft. I really believe Shaden Sharp could be the best player in this draft, hands down, with the upside. But it just makes me a little bit nervous to take him. And I feel like if I'm looking at this from a pacer standpoint, They've got him in for they've got him coming in for a workout Monday. So if you're listening to this Monday morning, Sunday night, he's coming in for a workout Monday, unless something happens where he's not able to make it. But he is supposed to be here with a group of six players total. So I think that this is going to be huge for the Pacers. I have heard on the radio show that I've gone on with Kevin and Query. Jay Query has mentioned that I know that Bob Kravitz mentioned on our show. They are interested or they like Shaden Sharp. Now is that the same source telling them the same thing? Who knows? But we know that Shaden Sharp is a guy that can really change things if he is to hit. But I've heard a lot of his interviews and I'm a little bit worried about some of the stuff from him in just terms of like, he is so high risk, high reward. Like you are absolutely swinging for the fences here and you're trying to hit some massive curveballs when they're throwing them at you. So this is where I'm a little bit nervous. I like Shaden Sharp. I really do believe in his potential, but for the Pacers and what they're trying to build, they cannot miss on this pick, Flatchy, here at pick six since they haven't had this have a pick since 1988 with Rick Smith. So they've got a hit. Are they able to make this big of a risk on a guy in Shaden Sharp? Potentially, if they're able to get back into the first round. If not, and this is the only lottery pick they get, whoo, this is a massive swing. But real quick, in the EYBL, he averaged 22.6 points per game, 5.8 rebounds, and 2.7 assists. He was unbelievable. But you know who else was also a high school standout when and he went to the G League last year? Jaden Hardy. And look where Jaden Hardy's at work now. Out. It did not work out. So many times we've seen these number one high school recruits go to college or go to the G League and fall out of that top ranking because, you know, it just didn't translate from the next step of their game. So is that fair to you know, make that case for Shaden Sharp? Probably not, but um, they're all different players. Shaden Sharp's got more of the tools. I get it. Um, I'll talk myself into him if they pick him. Don't get me wrong. I, I am very intrigued by him as a prospect, but very, very risky here at pick six, especially since I think three other guys could fit their culture and their their team or a better than Shaden Sharp. Hey, a lot to digest there, but the next guy on my list was Shaden Sharp. Okay. Look, I'm with you. For, for weeks now, I told myself I didn't want him. I wasn't interested. Nope. Too much of a risk. This, that. I don't know enough about him. Well, you know what? When he when they agreed that he's coming in for a workout, Alex, I looked in the mirror and I said, I think I want him. I, I, told, <laughs> I went, you know what? The, 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 the risk is there, but the reward, oh, my God. We've been dying to get a superstar to Indiana. We really have. But, man, it's just there, there's, there is a lot. There's a mystery over here. This guy hasn't played a real game in about a year. So, look, you're talking about long arms, lateral quickness, like athleticism through the roof. It's all there. You know, Kevin O'Connor had some comparisons. Some of the comparisons were Paul George, a taller Bradley Beal, and then even Jalen Green, who just went second overall in the draft. So, yeah. look, those are some strong comparisons. 
When you're talking about hey, a curveball coming your way, I'm thinking about a, an old school Daisuke Matsuzaku gyro ball where I'm like, what am I even looking at? Because <laughs> right over here, that's what it is. I don't know what I'm looking at other yeah. than a really athletic player who's putting on like these windmill dunks and, you know, there's no one guarding them, but like it looks very appealing and you could sell yourself on it quickly. But man, I just, and I know what you're talking about, about those interviews. That I couldn't even believe the Sacramento Kings put that clip out there. Oh, it was awful. That was horrible. It was so uninspiring. The man drops the line, get my teammates involved, you know, get them their little shine. It's like their little shine. Like, yeah, yeah, Whoa. yeah. What like, is that? Oh, dude, like <laughs> Aaron Fox is on the Kings. Like that man's making like $160 million and a really good player. Like, eh, it's his team. It ain't gonna be about you getting everybody involved. But Either way, look, the Pacers rarely have a chance to swing. Like, I'm talking about knock it out of the park. And this is one of those instances. So if he wasn't going to work out for the Pacers, I'd say, you know what? I just don't think he can do it. Now, the fact that he is, it, it complicates things a bit. And, and I can't say I'm out by any means. Yeah, I have no idea where Shaden Sharp goes in this draft. He is the true wild card. And I could see a team wanting to trade up into the top six to get him because they believe in his it. they believe in his upside and i i believe that it's there he's just gonna have to tap into it i i was a little bit thrown off when he did say that that little shine comment it's just like yeah did he just say it when he was talking Ooh. or like is this something like oh i'm too cool for the kings or like oh i'm gonna be the best player wherever i go like i just believe in myself that much like is that confidence going to come across as arrogance and be a little bit ignorant to a certain degree with how he approaches it? I don't necessarily think it will be. It's a little bit fair, uh, unfair, excuse me, to, to criticize him for that. But it's like, can you imagine him saying that to Tyrese, Buddy, no, I mean, Rick Carlisle? Like, nah, they'd put him in check, and I, they, they wouldn't have anything to do with that. So I, I think – Sure-wise, he's probably yeah. not there yet, you know? 19 just, years old. He's I a mean, kid. And honestly, like, the way he handled things in Kentucky, like, I I understand why he wanted to go to the NBA. Like this is guaranteed money. Uh, he could get, he probably was going to get paid somewhat at Kentucky, right? But like if he were to get hurt, it could totally change. Yeah, I get everything it. for him. So there was no doubt in my mind that he was going into the into the draft. He's going to be a lottery pick, hands down. There's no doubt about it. But for me, we just haven't flipped up flip flopped here. That's why I have Keegan Murray three, someone that I had a little bit lower. I had him at the same spot that Sharp would be at. At, at one point, I think I even had him lower than this, but. I just keep thinking to myself, like, I'm so sick and tired of hearing the Keegan Murray hate. It's it's a bit mm -hmm. ridiculous. Everyone's like, oh, he's not athletic. Oh, he's not this. Oh, he's not that. I'm sorry. But he averaged 23 and a half points a per game last, last year. year. 8.7 rebounds, 1.5 assists, 55% from the from the field, 62% from two Fachi, 39.8 from three, 74.7 from the free throw line. He's 6'8", he's 215, he's got a 6'11 wingspan. I'm telling you guys, Keegan Murray is he's not a safe pick to me at all. I don't think it's a safe pick. I think it's a safe bet that you're getting a guy that will contribute. He's going to be a very good player. We threw it out there at the very beginning, like, oh, he could be Danny Granger level. That's a really good player. Danny That's Granger an was awesome. star right there. Uh, and I'm sorry, but if you're looking at pick six, it doesn't usually translate to getting an all-star. Very seldom do you see pick six become an all-star. If you can get Keegan Murray at pick six, this is the position of need the Pacers need the most, hands down. Yes, they need athleticism. Yes, there are still two players on my board that me and Fachi both like better than Keegan Murray. 
But what I will say to you is stop overthinking this. Stop putting down Keegan Murray because, oh, he's he's a boring college player. No, this dude can score at three to four different levels. He's not a guy that's super like demonstrative in what he said, but I love exactly what he said when the Kings interviewed him and they threw the interview up. He said, I want to, I would love to go to Sacramento. I would love to be a part of that culture that turned things around. We were just praising Tyrese Halliburton for saying the same thing. Now we're going to knock Keegan Murray because he said he wouldn't mind going to Sacramento. No, this kid is a very smart kid. He is very intelligent when it comes to the game of basketball. He was an unranked high school player, but is now projected to go in the top five to six. He can do it all. You're being nitpicky if you don't like him because you're trying to find reasons not to like him. He's got a chip on his shoulder, ladies and gentlemen, because too many people are talking about how safe of a pick he is. I'm just telling you, I've talked myself into him more and more the more I watch him. This kid is going to be lights out. I really do. I really do like him too. I mean, look, there's a lot to like about him. If the Pacers end up picking him sixth overall, I'm not going to be like, Oh my God, what are we doing over here? So it's just like, look, (laughs) the name that I had above him, Shaden Sharp, you know, it's like, that's a guy whose potential is through the roof. But if you're talking about who's more of a a sure thing, I mean, I I would like to think that mm, at least nine out of 10 people are saying I've seen Keegan Murray dominate. Shaden Sharp, I haven't seen do anything. But, hey, that's where people are. So I think that Murray's going to prove a lot of people wrong. Mm-hmm. So, hey, I'm, I'm with you. Oh. He's most definitely in play. And, and let me throw this out there in case nobody saw it on Twitter or you just happen to miss it. But during the Big Ten tournament, the entire Warriors front office was in attendance for every single Iowa game because they were very fascinated with Keegan Murray. You know who just got hired by the Sacramento Kings? Mike Brown, the head assistant coach of the Golden State Warriors. Interesting. I truly believe that the the Kings could easily trade that pick if a team is desperate for Jaden Ivey here at four or Benedict Matherin or Shaden Sharp. We'll just throw them all out there. But I really do believe that because of the intel that he got from their, their scouting department, their general manager department, he's probably thinking to myself, look, my guys know how to evaluate players. Look at the roster we've built. Look at the Jordan Poole we got at 27. Look at Moses Moody, who panned out for us at 14. We wanted Chris Duarte. We still got Moses Moody. Jonathan Kaminga, he was good in spots this season. They know how to recruit. The Warriors are very smart at that. If they're high on Keegan Murray, why should we be against them? That's a great point right over there, and that's definitely something to keep your eye on. Uh, you know, draft night, if the, if the Kings do perhaps trade back from four to six, they could very well still get Murray at six if they don't just flat out take him at four. So that's mm-hmm. going to be something to watch. But moving over next to number two on my big board, Benedict Matherin. Look, mm-hmm. this is a guy that, that, that you know, I'm in love with, so we'll find out who's at number one shortly. But for right now – I'm wondering who it is. Hey, not sure why Benedict's being labeled as a three and D player. I feel like that's disrespectful to him because he's got way more potential than that. Three and D, I think of a guy like – Contavious Caldwell Pope or something like that. It's like, come on, put some respect on Matherin's name. I think he could be someone that could put up 18 points per game in this league, being a knockdown three-point shooter, showing athleticism, not only just holding his own defensively, but excelling on both sides. One description I read on him is there's NFL cornerback vibes to his off-balance defense, the way that this guy can just turn right over there and pick off passes. I love that. Anytime you're comparing an NBA player to having cornerback skills from a defensive standpoint, that's great. Some of the comparisons, this one kind of hurt a little bit to hear, but 
first comparison was prime Oladipo. It's like, ooh, we all remember what that was like. But also another name that I would have rather if they didn't say in there, Karis LeVert. You know, we've, we've heard that. I don't get that. Oh, I, you can't just throw him out there for everybody. LeVert was like compared to like three guys in the first round. Um, and then also Jamal Crawford, who was an absolute bucket getter, but was never touted for his defense. So I feel like when you talk about prime Oladipo, hey, that was an all NBA level player right over there. Bendik Matherin has far more size than that. So I, I really like Matherin right over there. And if the Pacers can get him at six, they come in love. Yeah, I mean, Rashad Phillips came on the show last Sunday and just raved about Benedict Mather and what his fit could be like for the Indiana Pacers. Look, if he didn't convince you, Flash, he didn't convince you, I don't know what else you need to hear, ladies and gentlemen, because this man is electric. He is going to tear down the, the rim, and the field house is going to be shaken from the bottom of the floor to the top of the rafters. I mean, this guy is going to bring some massive energy we need someone like this on this roster that's got that extra bit of bounce to him, a guy that will dunk in your face, a guy that's not afraid of the moment, a guy that I've been very impressed with in his interviews, a guy that said he was going to be the best player in five years, very reminiscent to me, attitude-wise, confidence-wise, to an Anthony Edwards, maybe not as um, arrogant to a certain degree, but I, I do love that he oozes with confidence, but he also has a humble approach to him as well, where he doesn't come across as, you know, de de demeaning his potential former teammates and saying, give them their little shine, right? So I I truly believe Fachi at number two, Benedict Matherin is somebody that we have just completely fallen in love with here because like you talked about, 38% from three on 174 three-point attempts, that's really good. 58.7 shooting percentage. I absolutely love that as well. So gets can get to the free throw line maybe a little bit more, but I just love his ability to, um, you know, get to the rim and be an efficient three-point shooter. I think he can be that three-level score that you want him to be defensively. This is where he's going to have to get better at. Um, just has to be more engaged. I think sometimes he can kind of watch the ball. His footwork isn't always the most, you know, technique-wise. He's going to have to get better on that, just tightening up the loose screws. But I think once he figures out how to play in this NBA game and once he realizes that he can play in this NBA game, watch out because the sky's the limit. Oh, man, I am beyond intrigued. Look, I got fired up when I was just going through my description. But even after yours, man, I'm <laughs> telling you, I'm all in. Now, my next prospect, it's going to take some finagling. It's going to take us being, well, I'd say borderline aggressive to be able to get. And that's Jaden Ivey. Look, an explosive guard. The athleticism, it's off the charts. Alex, they're comparing him to Jama Rand. I've seen some Dwayne Wade-like comparisons. Look, this guy grew up and played in our backyard, Alex. He wants to be here. When mm -hmm. I heard that recently, I couldn't control myself. I couldn't sleep. I thought, I, we got to find a way to get him. I, I was thinking to myself, what do I do? You know, do, do, do we all start tagging Pritchard? No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that on Twitter. But look, it's just <laughs> like, look, guys, we got to find a way to get J9. It just feels like the, there is true superstar potential and when you look at the guys in the top three, and if you say if you you compare Chet Holmgren and you put him next to Jay Ivey, you say which guy is going to be better in a couple of years? I'm sorry, time and time, I'm picking Jay Ivey. I really do think that this guy is going to take the league by storm in a matter of years. And the fact that him and Halliburton, I think those two, that duo 
can be what gets this Pacers team out of mediocrity, what gets them out of being a 500 team in, in the course of their history. Actually, the sad part is just last year, we dipped a few games below 500 from an overall record of being in the NBA as a franchise. So being able to get out of just being that good team and into potentially being a great team comes with being able to take a player like Jay Nivey. Yeah, and I, I think some people brought up the point. I think Mike Scott brought it up on our podcast Thursday talking about the fit next to Halliburton. Look, I'll just tell you this. When I talked with somebody that is very well in, in tune with what's going on with the Pacers, they said, don't worry about that. Those two can fit together fine. So with that being said, I truly believe that Jaden Ivey can fit in perfectly next to Tyrese Halliburton because he doesn't necessarily need to be the career uh, not the career, the, the premier shot-making type of player because that can be Halliburton. I think he can benefit from that. I mean, Halliburton has the ability and the willingness to be that playmaker type of guy where Jaden Ivey, look, he shot a really good percentage from three, but not great. It was 35.8%. Would love to see that improve. He shot 74.4% from the free throw line, but he shot 53% from the two. And so inside the lane, he can score. He's got so many flashy dunks where he just has that first quick step, that elite first step that we have desperately needed on this Pacers team. I think, you know, really, since you go back to a holy, uh, holy, a healthy, holy, holy depot, I guess it could be holy too, right? But um, a, a healthy one, just his ability to get to the rim and put pressure on the defense. That is what Jaden Ivey will do. And, and here's what I'll say. The best thing I can tell you about Jaden Ivey, the man did all that he did last year playing with two traditional centers in um, Edie and Williams. Okay. Uh, those two guys, I'm not, I'm not a guy that watched a ton of Purdue games, but Zach Edie and Trevion Williams, two big centers that clog the paint. Imagine having a, 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 an entire five out system where he's running pick and roll with Isaiah Jackson, <laughs> you know, he's going to have the ability to make some flashy passes or just get by somebody and explode to the rim. Like, look, I don't necessarily know if he's going to be at the same athleticism level as a Jamarant that we all like to talk about. But Kristen Peake, when she came on, said those two guys worked out together last year. Jaw was giving Jaden a lot of uh, pointers. So, look, we've seen how Jaw has completely changed that entire morale there in Memphis, I truly believe that if Jaden Ivey can come in here and just be, you know, 60 to 70% of that, this Pacers team could be back in the playoff hunt within the next couple of years. I really think so. I feel like from an on-court perspective, look, the potential is going to be through the roof. People are going to know something special is going on in Indiana. Then from just a, a sheer, you know, getting fans back, to the arena. I feel like that's where fans are going to say like, all, everyone's going to be like, wow, this is someone that I watched in college. This is someone that is electric. This is must see TV, must see product, must see basketball. However you want to put it. I feel like he's going to put butts in seats, but also a better product on the court. And it's like, Alex, you know, we've talked about it, man. Like, like we just want someone that wants to be here. And when he's actively saying, hey, it would be it would be a dream to go to Indiana. Or, I'd love to go to Indiana. And we know that this guy might not make it to pick six. That's rare. Because usually mm. guys want to go as high as they possibly can. So this is someone that the competition for, you know, potentially getting that fourth overall pick, it's going to be through the roof. Because I'd be stunned if he made it past Detroit at five. 
And I would be even, I'd be horrified if the Pacers passed on him at six, basically. Like, I just can't uh, imagine a scenario that where that happens. But it's just, in order to get Ivy, I think you got to get up to the pick four. And I know that's a discussion that we'll have later on the week on what it might take, but it ain't going to be easy. Yeah, so let me just throw this at you real quick because we both have Matherin and Ivy one and two. I'm just going to throw these numbers out at you, and you tell me if you think there's that big of a difference. For Ivy, 17.3 points per game. For Matherin, 17.7. For Ivy, 4.9 rebounds per game. For Matherin, 5.6. For Ivy, 3.1 assists per game. For Matherin, 2.5 assists per game. Field goal percentage, Ivy, 46%. Matherin, 45%. Two-point percentage, Ivy, 53%. Matherin, 52%. Three-point percentage, 35.8% for Jaden Ivy, 36.9% for Benedict Matherin. Free throw percentage, Jaden Ivy, 74.4%. Benedict Matherin, 76.4%. Ivy is six foot four, 195 pounds with a six foot nine wingspan, is what I saw. Benedict Matherin, six foot six. 204 pounds with a six foot nine wingspan. These stats are so similar. My question to you, is it worth offering the farm to trade up to four if you could potentially get Matherin at pick six, knowing that the stats are that close? Look, I, I sometimes stats are just stats. And I, and I know for those guys, look, it, they're, they're very similar. So when you start to factor in what it would take, to, to, to get all the way up to four, man, it, it does become a lot. I'm sure it could end up being a, a couple players and picks and all of, all of that stuff. But it's just like when you start – it's just – Jay Nivey is so electric. Like I just feel like he's got that – I don't know, from a, the shiftiness as a guard, it's, it's really appealing. Now, John Morant in college, look, his sophomore year – I'm looking at some numbers right now. He averaged 24.5 points per game. You know, it was great. Just a few years later in the NBA – John Morant is just, he averaged 27.4 points per game in just a couple of seasons. So it just feels like I imagine Jaden Ivey kind of taking a bigger leap as time goes on, where I feel like Matherin's more of that, like 18, maybe he can get to 20 type of thing, where I feel like Jaden Ivey, I mean, maybe could be able to push potentially like a 25 points per game, 22, somewhere in that range. Okay. And and I think I'm, I'm, I'm obviously agreeing with you because we both had Ivey higher. Yeah. yeah. I'm just saying, it's very funny how close they are statistically oh, yeah. to one another. Like closer than I thought. It's it is incredibly close. Like you're talking like just a, a point or like a couple tenths of a point. Like it's very very similar in terms of what they bring to the table statistically. Now size wise, that could be something that you maybe give Mather in the, the edge to because Jaden Ivey, who else is he going to guard besides guards in this league? Is yeah. he going to be able to guard forwards? Is he going to be big enough? Probably not. So there could be the downside to that to a degree. But with that being said, I will be 20.3 by the draft. Uh, Benedict Mather will just be 20. So I was a couple months older. Who cares? I'm not important. But yeah, yeah, just yeah. throwing it out there uh, if anybody was wondering. So with that said, Fachi, real quick, run down your 15 one more time for us. All right. So my 15, starting from the bottom, we had – I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling. So here we are. All right. So first, <laughs> as my uh, just missed the cut – I had Jaden Hardy out of the G League and Nikola Jovic, all right? So okay. I want to put those guys in my consolation just because we talked about Jaden Hardy. <laughs> this guy could have been a stud, honestly lost out on a lot of money going to the G League, probably would have been drafted way higher if he didn't. Anyway, uh, number 15, Jalen Williams. 
Then number 14, Mark Williams. Number 13, EJ Liddell. Number 12, Malachi Brenham. Uh, number 11, Johnny Davis. Uh, number 10, Terry Eason. Number nine, Jalen Duran. Uh, number eight, Usman Diang. Um, number eight, AJ Griffin. Seven, seven. Seven. All right. Seven was AJ Griffin. Yeah. Number six, Jeremy Sohan. Number five, Dyson Daniels. Number four, Keegan Murray. Number three, Shaden Sharp. Number two, Benedict Matherin. And number one, Jaden Ivey. And guys, remember, we did not factor in the top three picks that feel that they are set in stone. So this is basically starting your draft from pick four. All right. And for me, real quick, I'll go with mine. Kendall Brown, Ford out of Baylor, number 15. Number 14, Patrick Baldwin, Jr., Ford out of Milwaukee. 13, E.J. Liddell, Ford from Ohio State. 12, Johnny Davis, guard out of Wisconsin. Number 11, Jalen Williams, guard out of Santa Clara. Number 10, Ochayak Baji, guard forward out of Kansas. Number 9, A.J. Griffin, forward out of Duke. Number eight, Dyson Daniels, guard from the G League Ignite. Number seven, Usman Zhang, guard forward out of New Zealand. Number six, Jeremy Sohan, forward from Baylor. Number five, Terry Eason, a forward from LSU. Number four, Shaden Sharp, guard forward out of Kentucky. Number three, Keegan Murray, forward Iowa. Number two, Benedict Matherin, guard forward out of Arizona. And number one, the Indiana native, Jaden Ivey, guard from Purdue Fachi. Longer podcast today, but with this draft coming up this week, we had to go through and talk about all these prospects because it's only right that we make sure we cover a lot of guys that could be potentially Pacers. Absolutely. I feel like for so long, we just hammered Benedict Matherin, Benedict Matherin. Well, you know what? There are a lot of other guys in this draft, and if the Pacers want to be as aggressive as Kevin Pritchard said, there could be another one of these guys coming to Indiana if the Pacers are able to get that second pick. Maybe it's a lottery pick. Maybe it's just a, a top 20 overall type pick. But there's a lot of talent in this draft. When Rafael Barlow was on the show, I want to say it was Rafael. He said there's really not that much of a difference between 15 to 35. Yeah, he That's said that. how close some of the talent is in this draft. So it's like, man, if the Pacers can end up with two studs it could change the course of the next few years. Real quick, interesting reporter from Sean Cunningham on Twitter. He said, according to sources, draft prospect Dyson J Daniels had planned to visit with the Kings in Sacramento just days ago, but eventually canceled as the draft approaches as he is invited to the green room in Brooklyn. So interesting, Dyson Daniels was going to try out for the Kings. They could be looking at a trade back here situation, Fadji. Interesting. You know, I, I think if he was working out there, I'd feel a little bit better with it. The fact that maybe he canceled on them was probably like a, hey, you know, you're probably not taking me at this point. Like, eh, probably got some other workouts. So very interesting stuff. You never know what the Kings are doing, but that would shock me if they did take him. And it's not going to be at four, but you never know what the Kings are doing. They could very well be trading back. So I don't think anyone can guess what the Kings are going to do. <laughs> uh, not even the Kings know what they're going to do. No, Let's be honest. I don't think here. they do. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So in case you guys are wondering, obviously on Monday, we're going to have Shaden Sharp from Kentucky working out for the Indiana Pacers, as well as another Indiana native, Jake Noravio uh, from Wake Forest, Af uh, Alfonso Plummer from Illinois, Jermaine Samuels from Villanova. Now, this is a name to keep an eye on because he will be having a second workout for the Indiana mm -hmm. Pacers, Jermaine Samuels, that is. So 
keep an eye on that. And then two more names to keep an eye on Aaron Thompson guard out of Butler and Vincent Williams from VCU. These six prospects will be trying out for, or working out, excuse me, for the Indiana Pacers. I think I've said try out like five times when I've talked about workouts, but you guys get what I'm saying. Working out, workout number 12 for the Pacers before, um, before the draft. So Monday will be a very interesting day and I'll be excited to hear what we uh, find out about shade and sharp in this, uh, in this prospect workout, Pachi. Absolutely. And uh, you know, Staying uh, on uh, Kentucky right over there. Alex, we got Isaiah Jackson in the building, mm. a.k.a. Zoom, coming up soon. You know, so it's going to be fun. We're going to be talking about a lot. We can even talk about his draft process so we can even get a feel about what it's like for some of these guys going through their draft process. A lot of fun stuff. We're going to have to have you guys submit a few questions. So start thinking of some good stuff and uh, send it our way. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to say thank you to everybody that has unpromptedly sent us, you know, really nice comments via message or just on a, on a comment on one of our posts, just telling us you guys have really been enjoying the content. Seriously, that positive feedback means a lot to us as we continue to try to bring you guys content that you guys want to hear. So knowing that you like certain guests, knowing if you don't like certain guests, every bit of feedback really helps us know what people to search out and get back on the show and, and just continue to try to make this podcast your go-to listen for Pacers content so thank you everybody so much for that but Fachi as we wrap this up it's been a long one tell the people where they can find us at on social media all right so you can find us on Twitter at setting the pace three you can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I you can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk you can find us on Facebook at setting the pace find us on TikTok at setting the pace and Alex tell them where they can check us out on YouTube yeah, if you haven't already, make sure you check us out on YouTube at youtube.com slash setting the pace, a Pacers podcast. I'll provide a link there in the description for you. If you haven't already subscribed to our YouTube channel, if you didn't hear it on here, our full interview with Michael Scotto is on the YouTube page. So we're trying to slowly but surely add full episodes. So if you guys are interested in that or, you know, people that don't necessarily listen to podcasts, but they go to YouTube for their content, tell them to check out setting the pace of Pacers podcast, hit that subscribe button and let us know what you guys think of the content. So with that being said, Faji, we're just a few days away. So if you are absolutely anxious and ecstatic for the NBA draft, then say these three words. Let's go Pacers. Let's go Pacers. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.